Welcome back to the Masterpiece Women Podcast, ladies. We're so thrilled to have you today. I'm excited because I have one of my Killy sisters here. When I say Killy, it's because we met on Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh my goodness, Saria Schultz is a dear friend of mine through our seasons. Uh, we climbed in 2012, right? Saria, wasn't that when we did Killy the first time? 10 years ago. Wow. So it's our anniversary, a little past it. <laughs> so since then, God's called us in all kinds of different directions. And it's exciting to see where you're at and you and your husband and the vision God's given you. And um, we're so happy to have you, Saria. Thank you for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. All the way from beautiful George in South Africa. <laughs> oh my goodness. We cannot wait to go there. Ladies, in case you haven't heard the spring of 2024, we're going to go see Saria in George, South Africa. So don't forget to follow all the details on our social media. So Saria, you're a mom. How many? Eight children, correct? Or 12? Oh, yes. Um, a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> me and my husband were the only husband and wife who would disagree about how many kids they have on stage in front of the whole church no not that one no yes that one did you forget so nine, adopted, <laughs> nine adopted five in foster care two biological and of the nine adopted ones two struggled with disabilities not mental disabilities disabilities but um physical disabilities wow well, i love that i love the compassion how you know you have two of your own and then you just welcome 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 and i had the privilege of coming to south africa and meeting some of your family who are absolutely amazing climbing with your one daughter rachel who was amazing we did base camp everest together so she is much like you big-hearted and kind and compassionate and driven <laughs> yes let's not forget that <laughs> <laughs> so Serena tell us a little bit I wanted you to come on the podcast because I think your story is so powerful I think that when you look at people around the world who God use in such an incredible way your story is so beautiful I mean I've seen your writing you're an author you're a speaker you have a blog and a passion transformed the life of women around the world. Tell us a little bit how you came to be where you're at today and that that story because stories are so powerful and I think your story is just incredible. I'd love for you to share it with the ladies of your your walk with God and how he called you into the different seasons. You know it's interesting I started off as a teacher unmarried and unsaved although I did know about the Lord and I grew up in a Christian home most of my life. Um, it was making that decision that is so really critically important to move into a relationship with the Lord. And I think that when that finally happened and I really started to understand and the penny dropped, I wanted to share my story and I wanted to do something. Suddenly, even though I believe we are called um, in our passions, and I believe we are called for the seasons that we are in, I've really had a very strong draw into the world. Um, I've been a traveler since I can remember. I could hardly finish my studies, got a backpack, traveled Europe with my backpack, 
many years ago. Um, and so I understood that God placed the love for the world in my heart. And that made me a bit of a missionary, as they call it. So I went into missions training. I understood this now. And that's where I met my husband. And we've always wanted to adopt. We lived in India for a while. And I was really challenged by the life of Amy Carmichael, who adopted all those orphans many years ago. And my husband and I decided that one day we would like to adopt. Well, fast forward to Africa after India and a short spell of a couple of months there and um, we adopted our first children and each of them has a really special story of exactly how their lives intersected ours and in between all these adoptions so we adopted first um, you know and as it happened I think my biological child was number four and my second biological child was number six and um, so and they are only 15 months apart. So in between, in that fifth, those 15 months, <laughs> we adopted That's a house full. I'm telling you, it went so fast. Sometimes I was like, and what are all these kids' names again? No, not really, but something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, it was a wonderful season. And I often say, and I don't know what other people's stories are, but mine um, is forever revolving whether I'm going to be Mary or whether I'm going to be Martha. I tend to go from my Martha season into my Mary season. And then I feel very holy and really I've got it all together just to feel, no, I have to do something and off Martha goes again. And I feel as if the seesaw, I haven't figured it out completely yet. But what is really helpful is I believe as long as we see people not as interruptions, but that people ease the work that God has called us to. I think that's the one thing that don't make these seesaw mo mo you know, movements so dramatic, but it just brings it into a bit of a balance. Because I think being a mother, we juggle many roles and many balls. And my husband has always been extremely busy. He loves the Lord and he loves being busy and he is multi-talented and so... Um, I also had to find and I realized that God has given me a calling to be his wife, to be a mother to my kids, and, and only then the ministry part comes. And unfortunately, Tina, as you all know, in that raising your kids season, Amy Carmichael said that kids tie a mother's feet. And so Absolutely. this, isn't it right, this missionary who wanted to go off places had to be at home while her husband went off places yeah I get it you know it's so interesting you're talking about Martha and Mary because as you know my personality Surya that is probably one of my greatest struggles and I'm constantly saying Lord let me be more like Mary and I'm just going to share an example because I just felt it was so powerful this happened actually yesterday I was actually not feeling well, kind of pushed it back, pushed it back, went finally to the doctor, had to get antibiotics. Long story short, changed insurances. So my pharmacy didn't have my insurance, didn't have the product when I went to get it. They had to send, bring me back an hour later. And I was just kind of in that foul mood of really, Lord, I have so much to do. You called me to do Masterpiece Women. I have all this that I'm working on. And I was just kind of, I was talking to him on the way there and like, Lord, help me here, you know, and 
I literally had been writing my book the morning before, just studied all morning, spent all morning with him. And one of the things that came back to mind was a moment when I said to him, Lord, I think you have me highly mistaken for somebody else. I can't handle one more thing. Fast forward, I'm at the pharmacy yesterday going back the second time. By then, I'm just kind of sitting there trying to be patient, and my heart wasn't in a good place. And I looked at this woman, I thought, I just complimented her. I said, I love the blue you have on. And she was an elderly woman, just looked very classy, very well put together. And she looked, she had this lovely bright blue, but you could just tell she was not feeling well or not happy, whatever that was for her at the moment. I didn't know. I said that to her. She goes, well, I wish my day was as good as I look. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Are you having a bad day? She goes, yes. My daughter's car was stolen out of her driveway. And when they stole her car, she tr- she got in the way. They ran her over. She's got two broken legs over it. My son-in-law has now fallen down the stairs, broke his leg. And then I take my husband to the doctor and my husband has just been diagnosed with prostate and bladder cancer. And in that very moment, I just hugged her. I did. Here's this perfect stranger. I don't know her. I don't know where her faith is. I just hugged her. I said, that's why I was supposed to be here today. And so I stood there and I just, I hugged her and I said, may I pray for you? And so here I am in Walgreens (laughs) praying over her. And then they call her in the middle of it and It was just that moment of reminding myself, the Lord reminded me, and she just, tears are in Walgreens flowing down her face. Her heart is breaking as she shares. She turns around to me as the tech is going to get her medicine and says, I'm so sorry I emptied on you. I'm like, oh no, I'm so grateful you did. I'm so glad I was here. This was a God-ordained moment because I had a bad morning too. And he put the two of us together for a purpose and a plan. He wanted me here for you to pray for you. And it was just that moment of, if we can stay there and not get stuck. And I remember as a mom, right? Oftentimes, and that's what it made me think of story. Like how many times as moms, do we get stuck in that place of, Oh, I'm washing laundry again. Oh, I'm cleaning dirty kids again. Oh, you, you know, versus going, wow, I just need to appreciate what God's doing in this moment, but it's hard some moments. And yesterday was one of those Martha moments for me. And the Lord just reminded me so beautifully of Tina, you're here for a purpose and a plan. It's mine. It's not about masterpiece. It's not about Tina. It's about me. Make sure that every moment you're looking for those opportunities for it to be about me. And it was just such a beautiful reminder of how we need to be there. So when you said that, I'm like, yes, yes. But you know, Tina, I read something yesterday and it really touched a string to be Christ-like in the crisis. And I think to be Christ-like in the crisis is often my biggest challenge. Um, So um, I think that's it. (laughs) <laughs> that is so that's a great word great word christ-like in the crisis well and it's interesting though because speaking of reading i was i'm reading a book right now the compound effect and it talks about just one positive change a day you know so even in our walks with the lord sometimes we think well if we're not 
all the way here and we haven't arrived. And well, we're never going to arrive never yes. in our entire lives. Right. But we can take one area that God shows us every day and implement a positive habit, a habit, ask him, you know, what is it that you want me to do today and take one step forward, one step forward. And suddenly those steps forward become this incredible movement, this incredible, you know, opportunity to serve him and it leads us to the summit think about our Kilimanjaro <laughs> time right just one one step forward one step yeah. forward exactly exactly you know Tina as we go through the seasons and as we talk about it I was so looking forward to 2020 I was absolutely aware of the fact that finally I was going to be an empty nester 16 kids later I can sign off now it's time for me and my dreams Finally, just to have the kids come back, of course, because now they had to come back, back from university, back from wherever they were. And so we were one happy family again, some of us. Um, most of them, of course, are married and out of the house. And I'm a grandmother as such. But I must say, um, I was able to launch the blog and I was able to go online. And that has been really, really amazing. Um to be because God knows our dreams, and I think it is that move of your first half into your second half. And I think there is a real jump. I can really see that we do aim for success, and it really has got nothing to do with half time because half time can happen anything between age 35 and age 72, they say. You know, it doesn't really matter because people live so long. But I can really tell you that something happened in half time in my life wherever that was. But for me, it was when the kids left the house and that moved from success to significance and to see that the promises he gave me as a young person, he is now fulfilling in so many ways. I feel that the second half is so much more exciting in a way than my first half. I loved my first half, but there is clearly for me a second half. And I love writing and the fact that I can finally write. I've always wanted to have a coffee shop. I love being able to be involved in the coffee shop, you know, um, and I'm, it's just an exciting time in that way. That's fun. I just became an empty nester. So I feel you <laughs> literally two weeks ago, the first few days I was a mess. Now I'm going, okay, I'm enjoying my husband and we're having fun. And um, the first few days I wasn't so great for me. I was like, I miss my baby. <laughs> However, but I, I get you, Saria, like, I feel like, don't you think when you look back at your seasons that every season is different and God places these dreams and your visions in your heart. And when you have kids, your main vision, your main priority in life as a mom is to raise these children that know him, that, you know, give them all the tools, do all that you need to do. And as much as we love our kids, there's a lot of weight in that. Yes, yes, there is, there is. And we feel it as much as we love it, we do feel it. And I remember I was at a difficult place with one of my children a couple of years ago. And I went to sit with somebody whose kids are at least 10, 15 years older than mine. And she said, Surya, can you remember when your kids were small and they were sick and you were up all night? And oh man, can I remember? And she was like, and did anything bad ever happen to them? 
No, nothing bad ever happened to them because God had them. And she said, it's the same now. Now you worry about other things. But let me tell you, as God was there, then he will be there now. And we have to keep on releasing and surrendering, isn't it? And I think he wants our hands open because he wants to fulfill those dreams and he wants us to step into them. And that's very exciting. It's a very special time, actually. Yes, it is. And I believe that he's going to use you incredibly because I know that you're a fabulous speaker. You're a fabulous writer. And I know you've written a book for us in the, for a freedom climb for our whole group in the past and took a lot of the women's stories. And it's just amazing how I I have her new book, ladies, Saria, we will definitely have to put a link to your new book if it's out for um, purchasing because it's excellent as well. And I love to watch women step into whatever it is that God's calling them to do. One of the things that I love about you, Saria, too, though, is you are so authentic, so authentic, and you're just real. This is what it is. And there's no, there's just, there's no, you know, putting on masks with you. And so many times in our Christian walk, so many women feel like we have to have these masks on. And I was there for years and years and years. Now kind of what you see is what you get. And I just am a work in progress. So forgive me every day. I'm just growing, growing, but I'm not, none of us have arrived. Share a little bit of Surya about how valuable authenticity has been with your ministry over the years, because that's a huge piece of what you're so excited about. You know, um, we hmm, we were very young in ministry, both of us, when um, there was um, a time of failure. Failure in ministry as the first people that ever joined us very deep in the bush in Africa felt that they could do half of the ministry better than we could. And while we were away for six weeks, um, they um, took the ministry in a different direction than we envisaged. And we came to a crossroads two years into our ministry. And we felt as if God was saying, can you give, it's not your ministry, it's my ministry. And can you give them that ministry? If they feel they are better equipped, maybe they are. And maybe you only were meant to start it. And now I want you to release it. And that was the first time that we really had to dig very, very deep, knowing that ministry is not ours, it belongs to God. And a process started. And not long after that, we came across the story of the Velveteen Rabbit. I think it's written by Marjorie Williams. She's an author in the UK. And it's about this Velveteen Rabbit. And it was the favorite toy of a particular boy. And then the... um, a horse came along and the horse became um, the, the new flame or the new favorite, you know, and the old toy um, was discarded for a while. But the horse wanted to know how come, you know, um, how do I become the favorite toy? And the truth be told is he says, you know, you have to become real. Look at me. I'm no longer as shiny as you are. I'm not brand new anymore. I was dragged along the garden. I was um, spilled on. So they tried to um, 
and my my stuffing came out at one stage so I was sewn back together again and not very nicely and he really looked a sight for sore eyes <laughs> comparison to this brand new toy that arrived and it's a conversation amongst toys and it made me realize that to be authentic sometimes mean that we don't look as nice because life has happened to us, but we become real in the process. And we thought that was a big thing to give half our ministry away. But many years later, God asked us to leave an entire ministry behind and to walk out and to say, well, may you be blessed with this ministry God has called us into a new season and to do something new for him. And I think um, it is not easy being authentic and real. It's not easy to say that my ministry was born out of failure. Um, but I think that's why I like the Bible so much. And that's why God takes a Simon and he turns him into a Peter. And that's why God takes a Saul and he turns him into a Paul. And so in that way, I know that transformation and walking with God, he sees those failures, he sees those mistakes, those misdirected passions, and he comes and he redeems even that so that we can be used. And so I think it's important for us to tell our stories. How else will we encourage one another? And I think there is so little encouragement amongst women, Tina. Um, we are um, known, but there's a there's another word, you know, um, hmm, which is, which I now don't have for, for some, ten, uh, as compete, women. maybe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Women we, love to compete versus collaborate. That's what we always yes. say. Masterpiece women over and over and over. There is no competition here. Just collaboration. If you want to compete with one another, this is not the place for you. We want to collaborate, we want to encourage, and we want to support. Exactly, exactly. I love that. You've put it together. I couldn't have done it better. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, you, you brought up Peter Simon, like, it's so interesting because you think about the whole scene of Jesus and the boat, right? And when he, and I actually just wrote a co-authored a book and this was my chapter and it was talking about collaboration talking about strategic partnerships and you think about that verse where you know here Jesus picks him of all people like there were some good people in that group he picks him to have that conversation throw your net out he's like um really I just did it all night and he's like no but if you say Lord I guess I'll do it so he does it but he doesn't really think it's going to happen but he goes okay I heard about you. I'm going to go ahead and do it. He does it. And what was interesting about that picture, though, it didn't just take him to bring the whole lot of fish up, did it? It took all his friends coming over to help him. Otherwise, his boat would have tipped over. And so when you think about women, how we should be supporting each other, because each one of us has a story. Each one of us God has called us to do something else or maybe something similar, but even, you know, I'm having a, a meeting with a coach today because she is someone that's really good at helping other women. I don't want to be the only person leading this thing. So we're rallying a movement of women. If you can write, if you can coach, if you can speak, if you can do anything, 
we can use you in our organization to impact the world, you know, and instead of us saying, well, you're a coach, but I'm a coach. Well, that's not the way we should be. We should be just like the people at that, you know, edge come together, pull the fish, the whole net of fish in, and then take off and do whatever it is God calls us to do. That's what we should be doing. It's more just like it took, you know, so I think that's a great example. Yes, I love that example. And I also think, Tina, you know, I think that older women should more invest into younger women. We must take them with us on our journey. You know, they really um, want mentorship. They are really looking um, out um, for guidance and help. As a young woman, I craved mentors, a godly woman who could speak into my life. And that's something else that I have a bit of a be in my bonnet about. I would, um, I, I try to always have a young woman intentionally in my life without necessarily just doing Bible study, but just hanging with or helping me or teaching me something new, you know, um, it's amazing. And in that way, we can cross pollinate and, and they encourage me again. So um, I love that co-working, not just as partners, but also as younger and older women. I love that. And that's part of what we talked, talked about this event that we want to do next year is actually have the younger generation and the older, because we, I just, feel so strongly that if young women can learn from those of us who have gone before them, the mistakes, the trials in an authentic way, because oftentimes they just see us as, oh, you've arrived. Well, let me just really be real with you and share my stories with you so that you can hopefully, God willing, learn the lessons much earlier than not have to walk through them. And um you know, yeah, I'm very, I'm with you. I'm very passionate about that. And especially as I've spoken, just as you have, and I'm sure you felt this as well, speaking all over the world, you see women are the same, no matter what country you go to. Every country is the same. You see women who are still so broken and so hurting from their past. And I know you have a passion for that as I do of helping women see themselves as a masterpiece God's created them they are that's the way they were created I cannot shout yay (laughs) any louder um you know we have had so many chances and so many um we are where we are and who we are because of people that have built into our lives, people who have given us a chance when we were not even sure. People have taken a chance on us. Um, I'm, I'm one of those. People have taken a chance on me, you know, and just to see their faith gave me such um, a desire to succeed and to go forward and to move with them. Um, that uh, prayers through prayer as well. But when I look at vulnerable women. Tina, the absence of charismatic individuals in certain households and communities is absolutely frightening. And I believe we all need that one person who can pull us up, who can say, come out, come out from there. And we need to go away from the plains and move into higher ground. You know, the journey of a disciple is always upwards, but this is also not a journey we ever dare to take alone. I love the songs of ascent. 
and I love Eugene Peterson and his book, A Long Obedience, in the same direction, going through the Psalms of Ascent, a journey upwards towards Jerusalem, the highest place in Israel. And I believe the as disciples of Jesus Christ, as women, we walk, we walk, and we all, we can, we can really relate to that because of all these summits that we had to summit. Um, <laughs> and just, and walking in teams, right? And having porters to help us carry. And I, and I love that fellowship. And I love that camaraderie that came. And we did it on behalf of other vulnerable women. But I can tell you there's so many people that need a chance, young girls, young mothers who are unwed, young mothers who have kids out of wedlock, young for various reasons. Um, and they just need a chance. They just need somebody to believe in them and to be willing in the beginning to walk alongside them and to encourage them. You know, I love the origin of the word encouragement, um, uh, which has in a way um, also the word enthusiasm in it mm -hmm. for to be enthused is to be entheos in God and the origin of enthusiasm is actually to be filled with God to be in God and if we can enthusiastically encourage these young women upwards and I think we are not creative enough in our approach either I think God wants us to be creative and he wants us perhaps not to re reach the million, but to reach the ones and the twos and the threes, those ones that cross our paths, like your story about yesterday. And um, he, he cares about the one and we forget that that one person in a family or in a community or in a classroom or a school or wherever God has placed that one individual, they can make such a difference again and so we must just be faithful sometimes to the one he has called us absolutely and it's so easy to get in that place when he's called you he has, gives you a big vision and i'm going to say this to you know anyone that's listening today especially entrepreneurs or ministry leaders it is beautiful that you have goals and it's beautiful and you should go after those goals and ask God to give you all the tools because when he calls you, he will equip you. So I'm not taking away from that because that's an amazing, amazing, beautiful thing when God calls you to something. However, be careful not to step into that, that Martha season. And it's very easy. I know when I was with that large organization, as well as you, the two of us were, we were so busy serving the women around the world, planning these huge events, climbing all these base camp Everest and the Alps and this and that and planning all of that and raising millions of dollars. And it was all so good to help the projects around the world. But as personally, I can tell you, I got so busy. I definitely stepped into a season of Martha versus Mary. And I went in as a Mary. And when I left the organization, I felt like a Martha and it took me a couple of years just with the Lord of regrouping to say, Lord, like what happened? You know, and I, when I look back and I think every season is a season that God, he'll still use us in, yes. in that season. However, it's so, it's not even about just the disobedience of being in that relationship and that real sweet place with the Lord and paying attention to those 
those individual opportunities that's that in itself just staying in that place with him just is so rewarding to us right but it's also the fact that I look back and go there's areas that I learn and I don't want to I don't want to repeat being in that place and I could have handled things much differently and as a leader practice what I preach right having boundaries the time with your family because you can't give that time back And so if, you know, you're leading an organization and you're listening to this today, no matter how great it is, make sure your priorities are where they need to be. You know, one of the greatest leaders that spoke at LifeWork Leadership um, a few years ago challenged all of us in the room that day and all, you know, the coaches, et cetera, and said, if you really spent your time abiding with the Lord every single morning, how long would your quiet time be? Till he said, I'm releasing you. And it really challenged me of, well, I wouldn't have time to spend hours. I have blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and it's interesting this season, there's mornings that I'll cancel my calendar because I feel like, nope, I'm supposed to stay right here for the next few hours and that's it. And that's what I do because I have seen what happens when I've gone into that Martha state versus staying in Mary because that's my personality I'm a go-getter and when you are a go-getter and an entrepreneur and a leader we have great traits God gives us those traits however those same traits can be a detriment to us walking and in right in that sweet place with him and there is such a gift in that for us let alone other people for us it's so sweet I know oh Tina it's lovely just talking to you because it's so important for somebody else also to remind me again, because it's so natural for us to grow something. Um, I'm already dreaming new dreams for next year. I'm having meetings tomorrow. Today's my quiet day. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. And I wonder about this. And I'm already plotting and planning about that. And yet, that is where you remind me again about Martha. I'm reminding myself about Martha because she came to Jesus in a complete state, in a mess, accusing her sister, her sibling, somebody in her household who chose the one thing that was better. And I think if we can keep, you know, the main thing, the main thing, um, we will be so much better. I love abiding. Um, You know, verse 5 in John 15 says, For without me you can do nothing of eternal value. Not just you can do nothing, but nothing of eternal value, the Amplified adds. And I love that because I think that I can accomplish many things, but they may not be of eternal value. And, you know, when all goes up in smoke and fire is being put to it, it will, it will be the hay and it will be the straw and there will be nothing remaining. So I feel that we need to reevaluate our lives regularly so that we can stop and assess if we are halfway through a year like now, you know, we are more or less halfway through our year. It's a good time to assess. It's a good time to stop. It's wonderful to have dreams for next year. I want them. I'm excited about them. I am going to share them tomorrow but I don't want that to become something that drives me and pulls me because it pulls me away from 
from my centerpiece, which is Christ. And we all know that image. Um, when you work with clay, you need to be centered. If you're not centered, it's going to go all wobbly, you know, and, um, and we're going to miss what God has made us to be beautiful vessels of honor. We're going to be very lopsided. And I think many of us already look lopsided, you know, I tend to. I, I just say that I'm thinking okay in which season of my life I could see the clay and it's going straight whoop and it's bent over this way oh no and it bent back over this way and then it bent over this way and God used me anyway and so the beautiful thing is he will use us in our weakness um, however we miss out on such fruit and creating such fruit for him that when we do get in that place and you know when we surrender, which means we trust him completely, then it also means we obey him completely. But when we obey him, sometimes that whole word of obedience, people get it misconstrued of, I have to give up for him. The reality is, yes, you give up the sin and we're all sinners. We're all going to fall short. So we all know that. But you're, you're making choices that are not sinful. You're, you know, staying with him and it's easier and easier and easier to do that when you're with him. And it's not such a struggle like it used to be. And then what happens though, oftentimes I believe is when you're in that intimate relationship with him, when you get busy, the enemy, okay, you know, she's staying really close to God. So she's, um, She's not going to do this sin or that sin or this one. So maybe I'll just make her so busy that she's not going to focus on him so much. <laughs> and yeah. suddenly she's not hearing from him because she's so busy doing his work. And yeah. I think it's so easy to get in that place. And I talk to ministry leaders all the time and business leaders that when they get off focus, that it just, it is such a negative for them as well as the people around them. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And so I love encouraging women just to get back to the basics. You know, surrender doesn't mean, you know, you're giving up anything in life, really. It means you're taking, you're getting all the gain in life because you get the Lord and you get to trust him in all of it. And suddenly it's not about you achieving, it's about him, you know, and just show me which way you want me to go, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, when I look also, we get so busy, as we said also earlier, we start to work in the ministry or in the business. And it just swallows you in. But you also have to work on the ministry and on the business. And if you can spend 20% of your time on the business, on the ministry, then you can spend 80% of your time in the business and in the ministry. Where often our heart is, but we don't want to spend time on it, you know, because then we think we are being taken away out of it. And often that is where the relationship building with the people that work with us and for us is so critically important. Because if we've got good communication skills, if we know our people in the business, then, then we're doing the merry thing, you know. We, are, we, are, we know these stories, we care about these stories, we love these stories, and they start to work better. 
and they start to become part of the dream and the journey. It becomes their journey. It becomes their success story. They too are proud to be in this business, to be part of this ministry. And I think that's something that perhaps I would like to add as well. I love that. That's that's truth, girl. I've seen nothing more um, of an example than in my life is watching people come together and doing it together in collaboration yes. for success, whatever, yes. whether it's a business, whether it's a ministry, I think about what God did, you know, so often we use the parallels of those mountain climbing times, you and I, because we did so many of them, but it's <laughs> the truth. We couldn't have done it without our porters. We couldn't have done it without the teams and the women around us. And I think about, I actually, I don't know if I even shared this with you. I wrote an article in a magazine recently and it was talking about collaboration of women around the world. And I mentioned the whole story of you and Kimberly. So Saria, you have this missions organization. You and your husband have this missions organization, Ethnos. And when we met, you were with the other missions organization that I was also a leader of. And so we met there, we, you know, grew to love each other there. And then, you know, as life takes us in different directions, we said connected, but not real connected. And it was so beautiful. You were coming to the U.S., we reconnected. And one of my girlfriends, Kimberly, who actually um, said to me when I left the organization, you need to start your own thing, Tina. I'm like, no, I'm never doing that again. Of course, God had other plans, but... Um, and that night is when we created the name Masterpiece Women and I bought the website. Fast forward, that same connection, all of us are on the same team on Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, years later, 10 years later, she and her husband, who is a pastor, are going full-time into missions, serving in Malawi with your organization. How beautiful is that? I know. I love it. It's it's beautiful. God did something on those mountains. I think it is because we were in it together. And if we can see that as a story for life, we're in it together and somebody else's, our lives need to connect. God wants our lives to connect. And we have this interconnectedness. It's the same kingdom. It's the same destiny. You know, he just gives us different vehicles. But I sometimes think it's when the vehicle becomes too important. Also, and we have made that mistake too, when the vehicle almost becomes the end instead of the means to the end. We have to keep our eye on the end, you know, and, um, and so yes, um, and so we all still colleagues and friends, and that's how it should be, isn't it? I love it. Yes, as my friend, they're coming down here this month, and we were just texting yesterday, and so it's exciting. It's exciting to watch God do what God does. And the whole point to that is, right, us being receptive. I look back at that, and I've shared this story, and I shared it in that article of it was that one step of obedience, which was me saying yes to going on a mission trip in India, which then led me to meeting all of you on that mountain. And then I've watched how God's used every step since then. And that collaboration and that, uh, you know, of it all coming together that day when I was speaking to her and she told me she was going to serve with your group, I was like, that is just so beautiful because I didn't, God would have, God would have done something different. He would, you know, he would have still done his work, 
He just, yeah. I just wouldn't have had the privilege of seeing it had I not been obedient. So yeah. I, I'm like, I just love how I watch him connect all the dots. And the older you get, the more dots you see how he yeah. connected over the years. So it is a beautiful thing. And so collaboration, ladies, collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. So come collaborate with us. Let's change the world. <laughs> right, Saria? Amen. Absolutely. All and right. Uh, <laughs> so I'm all what did you say? I'm sorry. I'm all in. <laughs> all in. Me too, girl. Let's do it. So, Saria, what would be the one thing you'd like to leave the ladies with today as we end this podcast? You're such a wealth of knowledge and wealth of, you know, just wisdom. Uh, you know, I think we have to keep on challenging ourselves. I think we need to keep on growing, no matter, because it will be so dangerous if we have arrived and if we think we have lived long enough to know more. And yes, we know a little bit more, but I think the more that I learn, the more I realize how little I know and how that I must keep on growing. And if I don't stay connected to the vine, it is all going to be futile and it's going to be um, not eternal. You know, it's going to be just, um, yeah, we need to keep an eternal mindset and we need to um, we need to keep on dreaming as well, Tina. I think if our dreams die, no matter our ages, we need to keep on dreaming. We must ensure and make sure that we keep on dreaming, that we encourage one another to stay, um, you know, to stay on the narrow because it is the narrow. It is different than what the world looks like. We sound different. And we're going to look different and we're going to do things differently. And that's okay. But it's nice, therefore. Therefore, we should appreciate our companions so much more on this journey. Amen. I love that. So keep dreaming, keep going, and let's collaborate. That's my three takeaways for today. And stay in I the mind, number one. Yay. So wonderful well we're so thankful to have you today ladies with masterpiece women if you have not joined us we have an incredible group of masterpiece women in our membership community come join us come help impact the world with us if you have something to share and you're part of masterpiece women we want you to share it we give you a platform to do it because your story is so important so we'd love to hear from you email us go to our website masterpiecewomen.org and put a little information there and somebody will contact you within 48 hours we'd love to hear from you hear your story and connect with you so god bless you guys thank you saria for being with us today greetings from africa george and i hope to see many of you next year in spring climbing one of our gorgeous mountains locally Yes, ladies. Okay, so let's just mention that real quick before we close, <laughs> ladies. So when we talk about next spring, we, we're dreaming still and planning. However, we will be doing some hiking and we will be doing some cool stuff serving in South Africa as well. So if you have a heart to serve and to do good in the world, you do not want to miss this because it's going to be amazing. So we can't wait to be there with you, Saria, and serve with you. And um, I love you, girl. Amen. Absolutely. See you soon. <laughs> See you.